Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank supporters of the Blades. My name is Noah Snyder, and with me as always is Chad Jarvis. How's it going, Chad? Oh, not bad, Noah. How are you hanging out here in the ONC? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It is my birthday today, um, so happy about that. Another year around, around the sun. And uh, yeah, everything's, everything's all right. Uh, not too, none too pleased with the result this weekend uh, against uh, Leeds United in the Derby. But other than that, I'm okay. And we'll, we'll get to that. The first thing that I want to talk about today um, is we got news early on Sunday that Jack O'Connell is going to be out for the rest of the season, potentially. If he does make it back, it is going to be in the dying months of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Chad? Well, I mean... That is – that's the rock at the back. I mean, we, we're, we're going to miss him for the rest of the year. The first thing when I saw it and, and texted you, I said, we are in trouble now. And then you go and look at we've had – we've got to play so many matches left in this season. He was a defensive rock, and now there he goes. And now it's a wide-open spot. It's it's open for whoever wants to take it, in my opinion. And it, it sucks that he's he's going to be out all year. Yeah, I I agree. The good news here is that I feel our back line much better as far as our depth than in the early part of the 2019-2020 season. You know, we've got Jaggy Elka if need be, Jack Robinson if need be, Ampadu started uh, our game against Leeds. So we have some depth where we might not have had that depth in the first part of the season last year. So I, as we had stated on a previous podcast, I feel a lot more comfortable than I would have had we lost Jack O'Connell for the season last year. I think the results that we achieved at the beginning of the season when we were just we took out when we took off like a rocket probably might have gone a different way. So, you know, that's the good news. The bad news is we still can't score any goals. So, why don't we get into talking about our game against Leeds? Our hated rivals in the Battle of Yorkshire. Coming into the game, I didn't have, I didn't think there was going to be any way that we wouldn't score in this game. I thought we were going to get our first goal in this game. Uh, As we had mentioned on the previous podcast, Leeds United's defense has not been exemplary until this game, obviously getting the clean clean sheet on us um, and conceding previously seven goals. I was... None too thrilled with our performance offensively. We had our chances, definitely, um, especially in the first half. We had quite a a number of good chances. I'd say our best chance in this game came at the 32nd or 33rd minute, the 31st minute, uh, when John Lundstrom is given a real cheeky little pass by David McGoldrick off of a great cross from Ben Osborne on the outside. Ben Osborne crossed the ball in to David McGoldrick, who flicked it on for John Lundstrom. Great chance. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was saved, and uh, we, re- we remained at a draw uh, going into halftime. Yeah, that was one of those things where I had prematurely like celebrated because it's like, how does – he missed this and how does it get saved? And I had thrown my hands up and had started to celebrate. And then it goes from like pure 
happiness to like defeat in head in hand moment. And it's like, how did he just not bury that thing into the back of into the corner of the net away from the goalkeeper? And it's like, it's there almost looks like there's like cellophane on the on the face of the goal. And we just hit, we might, we managed to hit it and it bounces right out. And it's like, it's just one of those things that's so frustrating because you know, once we get our goal, we're going to start scoring and we're going to pick up the momentum and everything. And it's just, it's so frustrating that you have a wide open goal and it's saved miraculously. It does seem like we have the yips. It's really unfortunate. Oh, for sure. There was another good chance. There was another good chance near the death uh, uh, of the half. Ampadu gets in on a corner kick and he goes down. Uh, I don't know if he was dragged down. I I didn't look like there was enough contact to necessitate a penalty anyways. Wasn't called anyway. And uh, nothing was given on that. But he would have had a dead-on chance if he had actually gotten contact to it. I think that that was probably our second best chance to score in this game. We did have a number of really good chances in this game to score a goal, but just nothing came up. And walking out of this game with nothing uh, really hurts, especially against Leeds United. Yeah, and it's like okay, we knew we weren't going to have a lot of the ball. And, and as the game started, that's how it went. Leeds had the ball. We were stuck in. We were playing a good shape in the back. Everybody was organized. They had a few chances go close. And we had a few chances go at the other end that we had – We had. it should have been chances on goal. They were they were going wide. But it. I felt as we got into the game – by halftime, the game had opened up to where it was almost end to end. It was almost like a basketball game. And it's just like we're creating the chances. We just can't get the ball to bounce our way to go in for that scoreboard to roll from zero to one. And once it does, it'll it'll happen for us. Yeah. Yep. Getting into the second half here, we had a couple of a couple more bang on chances. The one thing that I I do want to talk about just briefly, nobody can blame our loss this game on, on, on Ramsdale. Ramsdale played wonderfully throughout and he had a few amazing saves, Henderson-esque saves, if I may be so bold. And I was actually quite pleased with Ramsdale's performance in this game. Unfortunately, at the in the 88th minute, we concede a goal off of a header, and it was downward into the left-hand side of the net. All of the goals this season have come to to Ramsdale's left, to the left hand of the net. Um, it just seems to be a theme, it seems thus far. And you know that once that goal went in, I think we both both we both knew what the result was going to be for this game. I I was I had pegged this up until that point to be a dead on draw um, and finally a point for us in our third game, but it was not to be uh, Leeds United go one nil up and the game ends very shortly after that. I think we had five minutes of stoppage time, but um, really a lot of time wasting by Leeds United during stoppage time. And we never really recovered after, after that goal happened. And that's one thing I thought about too, is, 
we in, in the second half, we really grew into the game, and we looked like we were going to go and get a goal and go ahead, and then we were going to close up shop and, and defend like we always do, and we were going to – we weren't going to let them score. And then as it grew on and grew on and grew on in the second half, we started to make subs. And I don't know why we brought Billy Sharp in to try and change the game in like the 70th minute. I'm like, why are we putting him on? And then we take – and we put McBurney in. And I, I thought McBurney was going to be for sure the one that got us the goal to, to go ahead and take the lead. But when that header comes in and Bamford scores it, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, we are going to lose this game – two minutes from time, okay, the extra five minutes. So you had seven minutes from time. And I said, this is this is going to be a disaster. And I think I texted you and I said, we are in trouble now. Because it just it's just one of those feelings where it seemed like we did everything right and we had our chances, couldn't score them, but we were good, defended the whole, the whole nine yards. We're just miss, missing that one thing. And then they go in and score the goal and it's like, Oh my God, we played we played almost a perfect game and we still come out on the losing end. Well, I I don't think we can call this a I'd say maybe a perfect game, almost a perfect game defensively, except for that one the one goal. But I not scoring goals is gonna be continue to be a problem. If we don't get somebody in who can actually put the ball in the back of the net, it seems like most of the pieces are there. We just need that striker. Unfortunately, McGoldrick, McBurney, Billy Sharp, Oliver Burke, nobody's really been effective yet. Uh, Oliver Burke has probably looked the best out of any of our forwards at this point, maybe with McGoldrick a close second behind. But we need goals. <laughs> you can't win if you don't score goals. Yeah. And that's what we are lacking at this point. So we have to trust that we're going to get someone in before the transfer deadline this coming Monday. You know, there's been a lot of rumors out there. We'll talk a little bit about uh, those, the rumors, what's been going on in the rumor mill later in the podcast. But at this point, definitively what we know is we need some goals. To that point, too, McBurney is good as an aerial threat. He can get up and head the ball down. McGoldrick more – McGoldrick – and sharper more your poachers and and want the ball played through on the on the ground. I think Ollie Burke is going to be the one where if they play the right long ball to him and he he's got enough pace where he can stretch the back line and he gets on the end of one, he's gonna he's gonna make a move and he's gonna go around the keeper and he's gonna score and that's that's the good thing. He looks he's really quick and it's like. It's almost shocking at times. You're like, wow, this guy we've never heard of, and he's pretty fast. I mean, he's causing fits in the, the back line, and that's – got to find the right partnership for him. If it's – try Burke and, and McBurney against Arsenal this weekend. I don't know, but if we can if we can get that aerial threat and being able to play the ball – the long ball to him and, and, and get him in into the goal, I think the kid's going to score a lot of goals. I really hope that that's the truth of the matter because this, what we're doing right now, unfortunately, is the definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing, it seems, over and over and expecting different results. Something's got to change. We need something to be shaken up a little bit. I have obviously implicit trust in Chrissy Wilder, but we got to do something. 
How do you think John Lundstrom played in this game? I, I, besides his miss, he didn't look awful. He was subbed off uh, earlier in the game at, at around the 64th minute, I believe, for Norwood. I think he had mostly a, a, a good game. He had some good touches. He had that bang-on chance, which he just failed to score. You know, last year, he, he was putting those in the back of the net in the early part of the season. It wasn't later to later in the season that he really started to struggle. And obviously Berger was coming on more in his place uh, towards the end of the season. But those type of goals, as I had previously mentioned, uh, he scored every single time. Those type of chances, he was scoring every single time. Yeah, and he's in a bad run run of games too because he had that penalty against Villa that got saved. And then... He goes and has this miss. So, I mean, from him to, to rebound for that penalty miss against Villa, when you think his confidence would be almost shot, and then come back and he's got that opportunity and it, it's obviously saved, and then it goes, he goes into the rest of the game and, and looked good. He looked like he, he was in the game. Him, him and Berger were – when they got the ball in the midfield, if they didn't give the ball away in two seconds – they would carry the ball further than I was expecting it to. And, and I mean, that that midfield pairing looked pretty good. And, and then, obviously, he got subbed off for, for Norwood. So, who's to say if he would have stayed in for the entire match? Well, that is something that I want to talk about right now um, was our possession game. If you look at the possession numbers, I think we had something like 35% possession. What was our possession in this game? 36% possession. So – we got rid of the ball really quickly. Again, we were playing, we played quite a few long balls, which I think is a mistake. It's, it's never how we played last year. We always had really concise and tight builds last year for most of our games. And I've just noticed a lot of our builds have just been long balls to one of the strikers or to one of the midfielders. And unfortunately it's just not, hasn't been effective. You know, I don't know if other teams have been watching film of us and have been trying to play that trap game in our end and so we're forced to play long balls or, or whatever it is it just seemed in the through three games here that we've been playing far too many long balls not staying tight on possession not building up properly overloading on either the left or the right hand side to create chances uh to cross into the middle that's been our how we've played for you know the last four years and it i don't know if it's really a departure from that or maybe I'm just you know I maybe I'm a little bit clueless or I, I'm not paying close enough attention is that has that been your perspective as well Chad well yeah mine mine's the same as yours and I found this stat on footmob we only average 245 passes a match and that's 18th best in the league it's like we are not and like you said, they're they're blocking us in and making us play out from the back, and we play that long ball down the down the flanks, and then it's almost like we're giving it back and recycling it to them, and then they're starting in their back line and bringing the ball forward. So we're not we're not trying to once they put that trap on, we're not working it through the midfield and trying to get it to pass it around and then get it to our wing wing players into our forwards. It's like once they put the trap on, they feel like the pressure locks them down and we 
we have to give the ball right back to them. It's like they automatically go into the clearance mode and they just want to clear it past the halfway line and let's start again and we'll defend and defend and defend. And that was like the error that uh, almost led to Leeds' first goal where Basham had to clear it off the line. Ampadu and Ramsdale got all messed up and in Ampadu throughout the match kept yelling at Ramsdale because it just looks like he's he's out of sorts sometimes when, when it's like the ball's in no man's land. He doesn't know if he wants to come out there or not. So I think the the opposing team pressuring our back line is causing us to clear the ball and clear, causing us to go into defensive mistakes. And then it, we're just giving possession right back to him. Because, it, I mean, I think there was four or five times that we, we started out the back and we were giving it to him in our half of the, the center circle and they were recycling and bringing it back in and more pressure and more pressure and more pressure. Eventually that's going to where you can't rely on your de- defense to defend, defend, defend for 85 plus minutes, have five minutes of attacking without them giving, without them giving up a goal. They're going to have a mental lapse. 85 minutes running back and forth is just going to wear you, wear the de- defense down and it's going to end up, we're going to end up conceding more goals. Yeah. So just running through our the statistics from this game, 327 passes, 70% pass accuracy. Those numbers need to go up. We need to be better on the ball. We need to be taking care of the ball better. I don't know what our giveaway numbers were, but it seemed to me that we had quite a few passes that would be classified as giveaways. And Unforced errors have been really, really costly for Sheffield United through three games in in the 2020-2021 season. And we are leading the league in clearances per match. 25 clearances. We're averaging 25 clearances a game. That's most in the league. It's like because we're in so much pressure, set in so much pressure that we have to just get – as soon as we get on the ball, we're clearing it. We're clearing it. We're clearing it. We're clearing it. it, And let's go again. Let's go again. And then we're we're not. I mean, Ramsdale's not having much to do. He's we're only he's only making three average like three saves per match. And I mean that's that's top that's fifth in the league. So I mean it's not like he's having a whole lot to do. It's just the pressure is so big on the back line, and we and it's just gonna it's gonna end up crumbling in on us if we keep absorb having absorb all this pressure. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. So. Chad, I have to ask you a question. This has been on my mind the last couple of days, and it's the title of this podcast, uh, this episode of the podcast. Is it time to panic? Uh, If I had to say, I'm going to say no. And the reason is, yeah, we can look at our next fixtures. we got Arsenal Fulham, and then we go through Murderer's Row. And so you don't see too many points picked up through Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. I just say no because I think if we get if we can get points against Fulham, and then we can maybe we nick a goalless goal goalless draw against somebody one of the Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, whoever we get a zero zero draw something like that, where we can get maybe another point. So if we take four points, that's not the end of the world per se, but. We have it's important that we have to get we have to get a couple points before 
the table starts to settle and the teams around us start to either go up or go down. Because if we, if we go through the stretch and we lose every single game, we're, then it's panic time. But I, I think let us get through the international break in two weeks and then we'll where we come out there, then we can assess if, if it's time to hit the panic button or not. Yeah. I, I agree with you in principle, but I, the pessimism is starting to creep into even me. And I'm generally an optimistic person. Last year I had pegged us to place about 14th or 13th. And, you know, we finished far above my expectations now, I had initially pegged us to place 13th or 12th for this year. Um, I'm probably going to have to reconsider that. I think maybe if we can get some points, I think maybe the best that we're going to finish just based on how our form has been so far. And barring, you know, signing Rian Brewster, signing another striker, shoring up our back line a little bit, I think we're probably going to place 16th or 15th now based, you know, based on how things have gone thus far on how we've played against teams like Leeds United and Aston Villa as well. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's time to panic, but I do have some grave concerns moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And uh, if I had to change for my preseason pod, uh, position I'd probably round it about 15th to 17th right now because I, I think we're going to be based on how we started the season yeah we're going to be in, we're going to be in a bit of a dogfight yeah we're going to have to write the ship but you know I'm I'm not fearful that we're going to be relegated at this point at all I think there are three other teams that are far in far worse positions than we are obviously Fulham is one of those teams um, there are a couple of others that I think are in far worse positions that we're in, than we're in right now. So to just kind of close out this this chat here, who was your player of the game in our mine match versus to, Leeds? Mine had to be Ben Osborne. I mean, the the dude he gets slotted right in there. I mean, since he got since he got chosen in, during Project Restart to come in in that first game, he killed it, and then. For him to see him get the start against Leeds, it looks like he's been playing in our side for years, and he just slotted right in there, and it was like, wow, this kid is good. He needs to start more. If we can get that midfield three right there with Osborne, Berger, and Lundstrom right there, those midfield duo in there, trio, I think we're we, – I mean, we look good, yeah. And, and Ben Osborne, he just killed it in, in this match. Well, once again, I find myself agreeing with you. I thought Ben Osborne looked great. Uh, all of your points com were completely valid. I think he's been a rock in the midfield. He's looked really, really good, especially on crosses into the area. That cross that he put in to David McGoldrick, who then flicked it on to John Lundstrom, really I, was just a display of class. The guy is fantastic, and I think he needs to be making more starts. He has made his argument. He has thrown the gauntlet at Chrissy Wilder for more minutes moving forward. Yeah, he he, deser he definitely deserves it on that. I mean, he, every time he put, he goes in, he puts in a shift, and it's like, I wonder if Wilder's actually paying attention to how good he's doing out there to actually give him a chance at more minutes, and in, in maybe he becomes a first name on the team sheet. 
every week where he's just getting slotted in there and it just grows his progression. He just gets better and better and better as the season goes along. Hey, Chad, let's get into some rumors now. So I don't know about you, but I feel like a, I'm in a, an abusive relationship with my phone checking for fucking rumors on Rian Brewster. Are we going to shit or get off the pot here? What is going on? I mean, we, we got to do something. You said the transfer window's closing, what, Monday? So... We're going to have to do something. He, you know, like I was telling you earlier, he, he scored in his cup game against or for Liverpool tonight. So it, it's good to see that he's, he's in, the, in amongst the goals. And it's just like we put in an offer. It seems like every hour I'm reading that we're putting in an offer. So we must have put in like 845 offers within the last two weeks. And it's like, well – we we want him for this much. Liverpool want a buyback clause of this much. Blah blah blah. And then Crystal Palace had rumored to come in, and that was truly fabricated. I don't know. It's rumors are that he he's got interest from different clubs. Are we going to do it? It's just like, come on, just sign the dude or say, hey, we put in enough bids. We got rejected. We don't want him. We're going move on because by the time you get done fucking around with this, it's going to be at the end of the transfer window. We're not going to have anybody. Yeah. That transfer window is fastly approaching here next Monday. And again, we haven't, everything that we've heard has just been rumors and suspect. And if we're going to be putting in for Brewster and Brewster is going to be agreeing to it, he has to, we have to complete this transfer before tomorrow because tomorrow is the last day that we can make an offer and get Brewster and then put him in again uh, for our match against Arsenal on Sunday so my hope is that we get some news tomorrow either way and then either crack and crack on from there in, in uh, an, another thought too is how cool would it be for us to sign Brewster, throw him in, and he scores the winner against Arsenal? A Liverpool boy scoring the winner against Arsenal in like the 85th minute or something. Just He doesn't start. He comes in off the bench 75th minute, and he gets a goal, and he just sticks it right to Arsenal and says, piss off. Boy, that would be great. That's a, a fantasy at this point. I don't think that – if he does come into the team tomorrow, I don't think he starts. You're right. Maybe he does get subbed on, but yeah, everything is just rumors and, and suspect at this point. Um, I, I'm just, I'm not sure. Uh, additionally, it looks like we're after also Diego Rico from Bournemouth and Terrence Congolo from Huddersfield. And they're, we're targeting them as potential replacements for Jack O'Connell on the back line. I remember watching Diego Rico a little bit, uh, and he looks, he looks a, a good center back, 
but I don't think he's a proper replacement for Jack O'Connell. I think really we're going to have Ampadu in on the back line for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. We, we He has to be a, a central part of our team now that O'Connell's out. Obviously, for the two games against Chelsea, we're not going to have him because he's because it's cup tie because he's on loan from them. But I mean, we can we can find somebody that fills the space if it is him that we bring in. Maybe we slot him in in, in like uh, when we play like Crystal Palace or something like that to to or the games where Ampadu can't play against Chelsea. That would be that would be a perfect fit for him, but he's not going to come into this side and, and step right in. Ampadu has played too good in in the short amount of time for him to come in and displace him. And you got to think about Max Lowe too on the on the bench too. We we also have him, but I don't think he's going to be featured much unless we get into the cup games. Yeah, well, M- Max Lowe typically plays on the wing has played on the wing. He hasn't really played center back as much to my knowledge. Um, he's played more on, on those wings. Um, and, and he's looked great uh, in the limited time that we've seen him. Uh, I do want to see him more in the, in the cup games when our FA cup draw comes around, but yeah, I don't think he's good coverage. We're looking at Jack Robinson and Phil Jagielka to provide co- further cover for uh, Ampadu and the rest of our back line. Um, especially in those games against Chelsea at this point, regardless of if or not we we get this guy. All right, so we have a game this Sunday against Arsenal. It's a 2 o'clock start time in Great Britain. That means it's 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Eastern Standard Time. And 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Looks like it's going to be another early morning for me. Going to get up, going to get my coffee, going to watch Sheffield United play. It's tough for you being on the West Coast with all these early kickoffs right now. Yeah, it's it's rough, but you know what? I, I love this team so much. I'm more than happy to do it. After so many years in League One and not even being able to watch games, save for on some dude's periscope from the from from the stands, you know, being able to watch this team in the Premier League where it's actually broadcast in the United States is so amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that, that's that's what it is. I mean, and you got to take it. Even though we're we're not in the best form right now, when we play these big teams against Arsenal, it seems like the boys get up for this, this one even more. And, and I kind of want revenge for how we, we finished in that FA Cup game against them where we conceded in, what, the 96th minute and they won the game and we were like 30 seconds away from going to uh, extra time and possibly penalties. And who knows if we go to a semifinal. So I want revenge. We won handily uh, against Arsenal at Bramall Lane last year. and. We also drew them 1-1 Emirates Stadium. So it seemed to me, Chad, that we pretty much had their number, I feel. We played really well against Arsenal last season. You know, one can only hope that that trend continues into this season. Yeah, it, we did play good against them. And even in even in the FA Cup tie, too, um, the goal that McBurney got to, to seal the winner at Bramall Lane – that was a long ball that he got on the end of and scored. And then we go to the Emirates and John Fleck hits that goal. And we're like, 
oh boy, we're in front. And then he, they pulled one back and he equalized and it ended in a draw. And it's like, we just took four points off of Arsenal. This isn't supposed to happen. So I hope something similar happens this weekend. Uh, whether I think it's going to happen is different, but I will always hope for it and hope for us to, to get the three points. Yep. And, you know, they've only gotten stronger this season. You know, obviously that 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 front line uh, of, of forwards is amongst the best in the league on paper. You know, Lacazette, William, Aubameyang, my goodness. You know, and then they have an amazing midfield as well. Their back line is great. And, you know, Leno and goal for them. It's going to be a tough game. I, you know... I don't think we can write off this as a dead-on loss, but f- for me, I see this as going to be a, probably a draw if we do wind up getting any points out of this one, obviously. I, I don't really foresee us winning. Um, I, they're, they're a really good side, and they've looked... I will say this, over the last four months since Project Restart... Um, they have not looked like the same team as before Project Restart happened. And, you know, the, the, the beginning of their season last season, the 2019-2020 season, was not great. Um, you know, like the, the best meme from last season was the pissed off guys on Arsenal TV, <laughs> you know, just saying how everybody is shit on the team. But I, they've looked a much better side since Project Restart, and, you know, they're, they've come to play. I, I think it's going to be really, really tough to get any points. But if we do get points on, on Sunday, probably a draw. Yeah, I'll probably – I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. Their back line hasn't been exactly – I mean, they got opened up by our, our, uh, Liverpool on Monday night. They conceded three goals. So, I mean, they're, they're always – Arsenal's always been a – had a defensive liability type vibe to them. Yeah, we're going to have to stop Lacazette and Aubameyang because Arteta finally figured out that if you start those two together, they are just like – it's like Batman and Robin. It's like they just feed off of each other. And Lacazette has scored, Aubameyang scored. So, we are going to be – we're not going to – we're probably going to have about 25% of the ball, 30% at the most. So we're going to have to get a long ball into somebody and just maybe it's one of those to McBurney and he gets on the end of it and he just scores to equalize or put us a goal ahead. But I mean, we could, we, there could go, this result could go two ways. It could go how I see it in all honesty is we get beat like three, one, maybe three nil considering our goal struggles, scoring struggles or it could end up finishing a 1-1 draw. And it's just one of those grinded out games. We get a goal, a cheap a cheap goal. Maybe it's an own goal and not even, not even us score it. And then they get another one and we just, it's one of those grinded out games. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That's how we're going to have to play this game is really grinding it out. We are going to be on the back foot probably for most of the game. Again, we're probably going to have around 35 to 40% of the possession, maybe trying to play that counterattacking game, baiting them, and then quickly going up the field with pace on the counterattack. That when we play that way, we pl- I noticed that we played a lot. Um, we played that way 
in our cup game against Burnley. And that was pretty effective when we catch teams off guard. We've really provided ourselves with an opportunity to score on that counterattack. And that's probably how we're going to have to play on Sunday when we're playing Arsenal. In in our counterattack looked really good, honestly, against Leeds. I thought there was going to be a couple chances where we were going to get – Ali Burke was going to go be outrun the back line and be on sides. We we're going to put a through ball to him, and he was going to get in the goal. So we did – since the beginning of the season, our our counterattacking has come leaps and bounds, in my opinion. We have looked miles, miles better. And, and you know, with the run of games we're going to have coming up, we are going to need to score goals on the counter. We're going to have to get really good at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So give me a definitive score prediction for Sunday and try to make it optimistic. <laughs> Um, as optimistic as I can, I'll go, I'll, I'll go three, one Arsenal. All right. Yeah. Um, I think that it's probably going to be two, one Arsenal. Like I said, I want to believe that we're going to draw on Sunday, but Arsenal have been, like I said, their form has been so good. Even when we were, you know, in good form, I, with the exception of, a couple, I mean, just coming out of of lockdown, there were a couple of players that were either injured or and not in the lineup. So with the exception of Jack O'Connell, our lineup is going to be stronger than in our cup tie against them in the quarterfinals last year. But at the same time, I do feel that Arsenal have added some quality. The players have gotten older and more experienced, granted only a few months, but still more experienced and uh, yeah i like i said not a bang on loss for us but i don't really think we have a good chance to win outright yeah i'd agree with you on that one i mean because hell we're being optimistic given our given united uh, a goal i mean hell we haven't scored in three matches what makes you think we're all of a sudden we're gonna find the goals what if we find the goals in it and we just bang in like five of them and it turns into like a 5-4 thriller and we win that thing and we nail on five goals and say, oh, what's up, everybody? We can score goals. We were just waiting until Arsenal. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me with the way 2020 has gone, really. Uh, and with the way everything has gone, it wouldn't surprise me if we scored, you know, three or four on Sunday. I mean, if we could have a match uh, that rivaled our match against Man United in November of last year, right around Thanksgiving time, uh, boy, uh, that would be thrilling. Because um, yes. that was arguably that was arguably my favorite match from last season. Just going up two nil, going down three two, and then McBurney tying it in the last minute. Boy, I mean, what a match that was. Would have liked to have won that one. Uh, you know, oh, we yeah. played 10 minutes of bad football in that match. But, uh, yeah. So, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be reviewing that game probably on Monday or maybe even on Sunday and get getting another podcast out as soon as possible. It's going to be our goal moving forward to try to turn these out the day the game is played just so we have the game fresh in our head and able to – uh, provide our analysis and review and look forward to the next game. That's the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you listening. You can find me 
Noah Snyder, at Sunpuck on Instagram, at Nessman930 on Reddit and Twitter. And Chad, where can they follow you? You can find me, Chad Jarvis, on Facebook at Blades in the USA. That's our uh, main Facebook page. Go follow us there. And on Twitter at, at Blades in the USA. And you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chad Jarvis underscore 13. All right. Thank you so much. Signing off. Up the blades. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. Mm-hmm.